All news is biased one way or another. Sometimes it's unconscious, simply human nature. And sometimes it's conscious, like when I try to connect every single national news story to my love of cargo shorts, which in a world that made any sense would be a sign of nobility rather than arrested adulthood. The outcome is the same. Bias in the news impacts how we see the world. Adding in online filter bubbles to the mix has made getting the full story harder than ever. Crown News, the world's first news comparison platform, has taken a different approach to improving the broken media ecosystem. Crown News gives you the ability to compare how sources with different biases are covering a story. Their app also alerts you to any news blind spots that you might have, stories that were only covered by one side of the political spectrum. As a listener of Block and Reported, you're likely more interested in forming an informed opinion rather than consuming regurgitated partisan hackery. Ground News enables you to do that for every story you read. It's a place for anyone who is tired of predictable mainstream narratives and interested in leaving their silos to see the fuller story. Learn more and try it for yourself by downloading the free Ground News app or try it on the web at check.ground.news blocked. Again, that's check.ground.news blocked. Katie, how's it going? Pretty good, Jesse. Um, so I was a little bit late getting to this recording session because I uh, I had to go check on my neighbor. Yeah, and, and when you mentioned that, I remember someone had asked for an update on this neighbor. Now, uh, for anyone who doesn't remember, this is he's 86, right? Uh, 87 now. 87-year-old Trump supporter living alone in the Pacific Northwest, and your, your wife and you uh, are, are good friends with him and t- help take care of him, right? Right. So the situation is sort of adorable. So he has a dog named Bruce and he spends nights with the bachelor on the, at the house beside me. So it's this like dual custody situation. <laughs> um, it's very adorable. And it's been like, it's been a very interesting experience to get to know this guy because as you mentioned, he's a Trump supporter. We have very different politics. He has a sign on his front door, this like tin sign, uh, something about like enter this house and expect to get shot in the face, basically. Um, he has 200 guns, literally 200 guns, old Navy vet, uh, very politically different. And yet we've become friends with him just by virtue of the fact that we live across the street and our dogs are are best friends. Um, So he calls me frequently. And uh, what usually happens is I open up the front door and I let Moose out and Moose runs across the street and goes into his gate and plays with with Bruce's dog. Um, But today he called me because he needed a little bit of help. So his chair, he sits in a recliner all day uh, watching like Matlock and whatever comes on after Matlock and then whatever comes on after that. And the chair has a remote, you know, so you can it sort of elevate so uh, for ease of ease of getting in and out. And his chair had somehow come unplugged, and so he needed help like figuring out where the where the the brake was and and getting the chair working again. So I went over there, and I checked the wall and I checked all the, the breakers and all that stuff, and I couldn't I couldn't figure out why the chair wasn't working. And then I stuck my hand into uh, this like the pocket on the side of the chair to check the plug there. And I pulled out a handgun. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. He sits there with a handgun beside him, loaded, a loaded handgun, um, just in case anybody, uh, for instance, his friendly lesbians across the street enter the house uh, when he's not expecting it. However, I did get to the bottom of it. Uh, there was a there was a button off, so the chair is fixed. And I didn't get killed. He, so he's just sitting there with a loaded gun within you guys live on some like safe island in the 
Why does he need a gun that close? Maybe this is just my my a lack of my imagination growing up in Massachusetts, but do you need a gun that close to you at all times? Look, this is real American shit, Jesse. You are just you are such an elite I'm not out, a real of, out of touch. You are not. This is just how I'm, normal Americans live. Gun at I'm, all times. I'm practically Canadian, honestly, culturally. He also has so there's this closet behind his front door and it's filled with bullet holes, and that's where he does target practice. He has glaucoma, by the way. He does target he shoots his own door in his house. Yes. What is that? So wait, what does the sign say? The sign says, don't come in unless you want to get shot, basically. I can't remember what the exact wording is. It's some NRA, like Second Amendment sign. I I have a sign like that on my apartment door that says, don't come in (laughs) unless you want a big hug and to make a new friend. (laughs) That's actually more terrible. Also sponsored by the NRA, weirdly. (laughs) All right, Jesse, uh, what podcast is this? This is uh, Blocked and Reported. I'm Jesse Single. (laughs) And I'm Katie Herzog. I'm really crisp. You you literally had to delay the podcast to find your bong. So this is going to be a high quality episode. <laughs> I had a near-death experience and then another de- near-death experience when I couldn't find my bong. Uh, I assume your neighbor is not a big weed smoker. You know, we've never talked about it. He has, I think we did, at some point we got him some CBD cream. We might not have, have told him what was in the CBD cream. Um, but, you know, joint pain. What I find so, like, frustrating is your, your wife, who is a nurse and who is wonderful, has really helped this guy out just sometimes with, like, basic tasks. And she's really missed an opportunity to force him to reckon with his support for Trump and his white supremacy, like to help him get out of the bath and stuff. Do you think that we should uh, we should start holding that hostage unless you let me fill out your next ballot? We are not getting out of this bathtub. <laughs> He's like, help, chest pain. I'm like, ah, ah, you know, my fingers are feeling a little unmotivated. Uh, you might want to reflect on your privilege first, pal. Check out this signature. Does this look like yours? <laughs> um, okay. What are we – I think this is the third or fourth episode in a row where I'm just going to stay up front. I'm very tired and – don't really plan on delivering so the quality. Tired, uh, so, so tired. So tired. And you're incredibly high. You don't even know who you are right now. Yeah, that's fair. What are we talking about? Today, we are going to talk about some drama in YouTube land concerning a film critic named Lindsay Ellis. But before that, you wanted to talk about Andrew Yang? Yeah, I wanted to talk about Andrew Yang and this um, sort of uh, censored... <laughs> New York Post story. These quote-unquote censorship stories are getting pretty silly. I don't really have much to say about Andrew Yang, except it is fucking hilarious that Andrew Yang posted a tweet that said – Andrew Yang uh, on April 11th posted a tweet that said, On National Pets Day, celebrating our dog Grizzly, who was raised as a puppy, but had to give away because one of our boys became allergic to him. Miss you, Grizz. Hashtag dogs for yay. How does this make you feel, first of all? Well, first of all, he just lost my vote. If you have to give away a dog or a child, clearly you give away the child. What was amazing was, okay, first of all, we should acknowledge that at this point, like, internet backlash stories are usually dumb because you can just find five people mad about anything and write a story about it. But there was this brief story about how there was backlash to his tweets. And one of the responses to him says, it's like quoting him as though he's the asshole. Oh, on National Pets Day, I will give an anecdote about how I gave away my dog instead of telling my kid to take a Benadryl. 1,400 plus likes. On National Pet Day. How dare on, you, sir? On, during Dog Pride Month. <laughs> uh, also, someone else was like, my kid was on prescription allergy medication for years. I ripped out all the carpeting and locked up all the stuffed animals. But we never once considered giving up our cat. 
I think Andrew Yang might be a better parent than this person. Can you imagine just letting your kid suffer because you won't um, you won't give up your dog? I guess the uh, – I mean the, the dog's not that cute. So in this case, no. Well, I want to ask you about that. But it is interesting that someone immediately um, – Yang had – in. so everyone's like, fuck you. How could you give away the dog? In 2019, he posted a photo of himself being reunited with the dog and the dog loves him. Like the relationship is great. But what would what would it take for you to give up Moose? Dude – that is such a difficult question. So my wife is allergic to dogs, which is why we have Moose. Um, also because he's adorable and the perfect animal. But he, he's hypoallergenic, so he's like one of the the rare breeds that she can have in the house, you know, without having aller, uh, allergic attacks. If I had to choose between my wife and my dog, I would choose my wife because she is a better cook. But it would be incredibly difficult. Um, I will also say, and I'm going to give a little bit of what seems like quack health uh, health advice right here. My wife is one of these people who's allergic to everything, including dogs and dust and everything else. About a year ago, she ordered – she got some Bitcoin and she ordered hookworm off of the internet. And she now gets like regular infusions of hookworm and her allergies have disappeared. What? <laughs> she she eats hook she puts how does no. she ingest the hookworm it comes in an unmarked package and there's a little vial and a band-aid and she puts it on the band-aid and then she puts the band-aid in her, on her arm she so, infects herself with hookworm yes and you're saying you katie herzog are publicly claiming this can cure autism Okay, maybe not <laughs> autism, but allergies and or some allergies, other autoimmune stuff. I first heard about this. It sounds insane, but I first heard about this in a radio lab, a, a fantastic radio lab called, I believe, Parasites, maybe in like 2012 or something like that. And then, uh, you know, when I started like living with this, this woman who is so allergic to everything that for a while we had to have plastic pillowcases, um, I, I told her about it and she started doing some research. It's a therapy called helminths. And uh, the theory is that if your body, if, you're, if you have like a hyperactive immune system and your body is attacking itself um, for or, or attacking these like invasive things that really it should ignore, the idea is that the hookworm sort of distracts it. Um, so, yes, she has hookworm. That is so weird, but I mean, yeah. if it and, and she's we are not like we are not people who are into like woo woo medicine. Other than she's weed, no, you're not. Other than weed, yes, she's a nurse. Like we like we are Western medicine people, um, but it's actually been super effective. As I said on Twitter, I have not been following the New York mayoral race at all, but I am voting for Andrew Yang solely because of the sorts of people he annoys on Twitter, which is all the which is all the sense of connection to him I need. You know, the thing that's great about Andrew Yang is that he does these sort of guileless normie posts that just enrage people. Um, although I saw a story that was getting a little bit more traction that might be a little bit more serious just before we started recording. Um, this is from Politico. Yang under fire for appearance and video suggesting violence towards women and it appears as though somebody approached him and told him some sort of like off-color joke um, and then asked if he choked bitches and so what politico says is that yang like sort of heard this chuckled and then backed away like gesturing that to the man that like this conversation is over now um but of course he's getting lots of backlash 
because he appeared to have like awkwardly laughed at this man telling him some like strange thing about choking bitches. Can you imagine if we were held to that standard where people were always filming us and they anything we laugh nervously at? Think about the shit you laugh nervously at every day. You know, it sort of reminds me of this is the reason that I don't like Sasha Baron Cohen. There is immense social pressure to go along with whatever is happening and to avoid awkwardness. And if somebody shows up at your office and does something very bizarre, like I can see myself going along with shit just to make it end, um, not realizing that what you're doing is like part of someone's comedic act or whatever. Um, and I, yeah. and I don't think that's acknowledged enough. Just like if Sasha Baron Cohen, you know, has a, a, a video camera with him and he rolls up to your dojo or whatever and like, I don't know, gives you like dildos to sword fight with. Yes, it seems bizarre on its face, but also, you know, in lots of individual situations, people are just going to sort of like go along with what's happening. Yeah. Because you do. Yeah, it's just like it's human nature. It doesn't necessarily tell that you that much about anyone. Let me give you one more response. This was <laughs> – this is just question mark, question mark, question mark. It's Matt Lubchansky, 1.2 thousand oh, <laughs> likes. What? Twitter is such a cesspool. How, I don't know how many times we can say that before we internalize that message. You know, um, I wonder how Lena Dunham feels about that. Has anybody gotten comment from her? She famously gave away a dog as well. What were the circumstances under which she gave it away? I think it was a bad dog, but it was the dog kept trying. The dog kept trying to commit suicide. Yeah, the uh, the dog left her bad reviews on um, on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I don't remember the the full circumstances, but it was a it was a problem dog. Uh, you know and. Like having written about dog stuff for the past couple months, um, I'm interested in this. I'm interested in like like there are situations where you know somebody who loves an animal is forced to put the animal down. That happened to actually a friend of mine um, in DC. She she did a little This American Life story about it. She had a, a bad dog, a dog that was like violent and attacked people, but it was healthy, and she had to put it down. And if you're an animal lover, it's such a I don't know. It's a like it, it's an incredibly difficult thing to do, um, and sometimes it's what's recommended. We're getting dark here. Sorry about that. Yeah. No. I, as you're as you're just talking, I'm looking at the other um, replies. What kind of a monster gives away a dog? It's because the kid. Okay. Yeah. We should move on. Anyway, Andrew Gang. Uh, I hope he runs for president. He is the only. Are you going to vote for him for real? No, I'm probably not going to vote in the primary because I, I haven't been following it enough. Hmm. That makes you uh, uh, one of the apathetic Americans, Jesse. Uh, Google. <laughs> so you know how good. Just vote for him. Just vote for him. It'll just just to see what happens. Just to should see I what just, happens. Should Come I on. at everyone I just mentioned and be like, hey, I just voted for Andrew Yang. What do you think? Yeah. He follows me on Twitter. That's another reason you should uh, you should uh, vote for him. Okay. Well, we've said some really important things about Andrew Yang. Um do you want to talk briefly about this whole New York Post Black Lives Matter thing? Do I want to? Hmm. Will I? Yes. <laughs> okay. So the basic deal is this was April 10th. Uh, Isabel Vincent in the New York Post, inside BLM co-founder Patrice Khan Colors, Colors. I'm so bad with names. So bad. Everything about it. Mil million dollar real estate buying bitch. It's a sort of obnoxious article about this woman who's involved in this lefty political movement buying a bunch of houses. Wait, is she the founder of Black Lives Matter? Co-founder. Okay. Um, I, on the list of things to get mad about, I have trouble. <laughs> but she's bought a lot of houses, and she's 37, so she's my age. Wait, so. Four houses. She has four high-end homes for $3.2 million in, in the U.S. alone. And then there was one in um, uh, outside NASA in the Bahamas. 
a lot going on here. Yeah, so there's a lot of homes. The story here is that Facebook started banning people from posting the story. And they claimed it had something to do with like sharing personal info. But what I found that interesting is like you and I have both seen the concepts of harassment and doxing have become so sort of inflated that people use them for everything, right? Right. Was the argument that this posted the address of the houses? I do not believe there's a single address in here. There's definitely photos that could be used to... But that's, but that's like, like any like, Hollywood like New York Times like yeah. real estate section would have photos of a home. Yeah. I mean, what's implied, obviously, because it's the New York Post, is like, oh, wow, look at this leftist who's rich. Um, but th- this is absolutely the kind of real estate reporting people do all the time. Uh, I-, I guess it's just like it's a sign to me that that I'm worried about this trajectory where – it clearly seems like these platforms are making political decisions and then coming up with some justification. So when they banned the Hunter Biden laptop story, it had to do with like supposed misinformation, even though no one could prove that anything in there was false. Here, it's something to do with like protecting against harassment or doxing. I don't really know what to tell conservatives who claim that these um, platforms are biased because it seems pretty clear to me they are. Right. There was a, a black journalist who posted it, I believe, on Twitter, and, and he was locked out of his account, too. Was, right? Did you see that? I saw someone initially got uh, – maybe Jason Whitlock, who's sort of like a, yeah. a, a heterodox to conservative black uh, pundit type. Yeah. It's um, it's just weird to me, and I'm repeating myself here because I've said this before, that people on the left have so little concern over these platforms' ability to really shape what news we can and can't read and share – uh, it's bizarre to me, in fact, because in any other context, they're skeptical of corporate power. You can't, um, uh, you know, on one hand, argue that these platforms have too much control and then also congratulate them when they do things like this. Yeah. There's also, it just feels like there's been a trend lately. And you you had someone complain about this. We don't need to mention her name, but like someone was signed up for Moose Nuggets for your Substack without consent. And they like tag Substack and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe this is, ha-. it's just like, People are so primed now to claim that everything is harassment, I feel like. I get signed up for shit all the time, as I'm sure you do too. Yeah, and I will admit that in my younger days, on occasion, I would uh, sign up various friends um, for Mormon uh, <laughs> for Mormon visits. <laughs> I may. Wait, or... for people like Mormons to stop by their house? Yeah, yeah. I gave the Mormons my friend Ryan's phone number, and, they, and he started getting texters from like, I remember their names. He was getting text messages because they were so bizarre, from Elder Love and Elder Johnson. <laughs> Sounds like a porno. It, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Um, but no, these were two like actual Mormons who uh, who started texting him and uh, asking if he could if they could stop by. That is like the nicest form of harassing a friend ever because they're just going to be like they'll be yeah. so nice and polite. They'll probably like bring cookies or something. They were also kind of cute. I thought he maybe he could uh, find a boyfriend. Um. So yeah, maybe Facebook should stop doing shit like this. Maybe Twitter should stop doing shit like this. It's pretty bad. Um. I think everyone should be able to own five houses. I would give every, if I were president, everyone in the U.S. would get five houses. Did you see the interview that she did with uh, the BLM co-founder did with Mark Lamont Hill? No, no. What was it about? Um, so he asked her about how. So the story, it's not just that she is the co-founder of BLM and like, where does the money coming from? The story is also it's this it's the hypocrisy of her being a Marxist Um or at least proclaiming to be a Marxist while also being a real estate tycoon, or at least a multiple homeowner. And so she did this interview with Mark Lamont Hill, and he asked her about it. And she said, um, you know, I take care of black people, and that includes my family, basically. Yeah. Your mom, sometimes your mom <laughs> needs a pool. I mean, I never know what to think about this stuff. It's just like, 
you know, she signed some development deal with like a Hollywood studio or Netflix or something. It's like, I don't, I don't know. I don't care if like activists or professors get rich. Think of all the other rich people who like actively make the world a worse place. Yeah. I mean, we get paid to do this podcast, which should not be the case at all. Right. I mean, it does seem like uh, like co-founding BLM is a, is a better better income than this podcast. So maybe we should uh, start an organization. Should we co-found just a new BLM? Just literally call it the same thing and see if people don't notice. Broadcast Lives Matter. <laughs> broadcast Lives Broadcast. Podca- yeah. Bro- broadcast Lives Matter. Anything else to say about this uh, the censorship thing? Censorship's bad. Let's not do it. Hmm. Hmm. Controversial. Jesse, can I read you a letter that I got from one of our listeners? Uh, a real letter, like on paper? Yeah, uh, it got delivered to the boathouse I rented to be the blocked and reported West Coast headquarters. I told you about that, right? Uh, I don't... Anyway, think. here's what the letter said. Dear Blocked and Reported, I found your podcast when the title was written on the bathroom stall of my local Costco. I don't understand most of what you talk about, but I do want to thank you for informing me about the Hello Tushy modern bidet attachment. I treated myself to a Hello Tushy for Valentine's Day this year, and I love it so much that my wife keeps asking why I'm spending so much time in the toilet. She's afraid I'm cheating on her, and I am. In fact, I love my Hello Tushy modern bidet attachment so much that I'm using my social security check to get one for my mom this Mother's Day. Thanks bar pod sincerely butt plugged no longer that's the most beautiful letter i've ever heard isn't it bring your butt into the future with the brand new hello tushy 3.0 modern bidet attachment it's stylish eco-friendly easy to install and will help save your ass the next time there's a shortage of toilet paper and as our listener points out there's no better present for the woman who wiped her ass until you were almost a teenager than the hello tushy Get your shit together by ordering mom a brand new Hello Tushy 3.0 modern bidet attachment this Mother's Day. Stop flushing your inheritance down the toilet in toilet paper costs. Mama already got a Hello Tushy on her pot? Upgrade her to the new Hello Tushy 3.0. And if she's new to the revolution, help her join millions of happy Hello Tushy customers right now for a clean butt with every flush. This Mother's Day, give the gift of a clean butt. Go to hellotushy.com slash barpod to get 10% off plus free shipping. This is a special offer for our listeners at hellotushy.com slash barpod for 10% off. That's hellotushy.com slash barpod. Katie, I'm honestly dreading this next part a little bit. Why is that? I spent so much dumb time on the internet getting mad at stuff. And I have to say, every time Lindsay Ellis has come up and I've just like dipped a toe into the world of Lindsay Ellis or seen her tweets, um, it just... She seems really annoying and to embody like the things I like the least about the left of center internet. I do think she like once tweeted something meanly about me, but even beyond that, she's just in this very like weird narcissistic world of, of social justice YouTubers that I don't like, but she's also like wildly successful, uh, a million um, subscribers, I think on her YouTube channel, but give me the basic rundown of who she is. Cause you sort of looked into this story. Okay, so I don't actually know much about Lindsay Ellis's (laughs) history. I think you actually might be better informed on that. What I know is about her current, her current state, the post, what what appears to be the post Lindsay Ellis red pill moment. So why don't you actually? I'm going to turn this around. Why don't you give us the background on who Lindsay Ellis is? As I was saying, I'm an expert on Lindsay Ellis. I've been following her closely for years. She does, uh, I think, like video essays about like film criticism, culture criticism. Uh, she's highly regarded. She had some kind of deal with like, I want to say PBS or one of those other outlets that uh, ousted you in favor of people like her. Um, 
silencing lesbians, basically. Indeed. And yeah, she um, is just in that world of, of social justice lefty YouTube, but I, I think she's seen as a serious critic. I, I she also, I think, wrote a science fiction novel that came out last year uh, and that if you're sort of well ensconced in that world, everyone will gush about it. That's how I mean. That's how it worked with my book too. Where like people in my world were like, "Oh, it's great," because that's what they do. But uh, that's all I know about her. Okay, so we've talked about her before on this podcast. What was the context? Movie Bob. Oh, she also got in a fight with Movie Bob, who is like the worst. Okay, well people can okay, people can Google Movie Bob, right? Or should we? Okay, well let's no let's uh let's explain it. Oh, she um. Basically, Movie Bob is this much lower tier YouTuber who's uh, very aggressively social justice. This very like male type of online figure who like really hates injustice. He hates injustice so much that he'll <laughs> throw a beer in your face and punch you if you're not feminist enough. He'll har- he harasses injustice. He will beat the shit out of you. <laughs> If you don't see feminism the way he does. And Lindsay Ellis basically accused him of being creepy because he like posted one photo of them at a convention together. Am I remembering that right? Right. He posted a photo of her on Twitter and she was basically like, dude, we're not friends. A photo of them together, Um, not like a creepy photo of her like in the shower or something. Just them together. Right. Right. And then so it was embarrassing for him, but then a lot of people were accusing him of sort of general creepiness because he was being sort of overly familiar and she he considered this woman a friend and she clearly looked down upon him. I, I, I will say there have been like one or two times – I'm not someone people want to be seen with, but a couple times someone has like posted a photo of me on Facebook or Twitter and I'm like, well, we're not really close friends. The idea that I would then like announce to everyone – Oh, we are not close friends. Why do you think like that's incredibly childish behavior, I feel like. It's mean. Yeah. She was trying to uh disassociate herself from somebody who is uh, like seen as uncool as our, as far as I can tell. Movie Bob, if you if you go into his back catalog of tweets, he's done some um remarkably inadvertently entertaining stuff. So if you're if it's a rainy day and you need to kill a few hours, check out Movie Bob. Okay, so the reason that we are talking about Lindsay Ellis right now is because on March 26th of this year, she herself, this this woman who has caused inadvertently or not, has caused dogpiles and public shaming campaigns against other people, including Movie Bob, um, tweeted the following. Also watched Raya and the Last Dragon, and I think we need to come up with a name for this genre that is basically Avatar, the last ben- airbender reduxes. Is it reduxes or redos? Uh, how does it spelled? Redux. Yeah, re- oh, Redux. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a word. <laughs> yeah, I'm the one who doesn't know words. <laughs> it just seems like it should. It seems like the French spelling of redo. No, it is R E D E U X. That would be like the Cajun redo. This is really good sandwich with crawfish on it. That does sound delicious. To finish the quote, it's like half of all YA fantasy published in the last few years, anyway. Okay, so well, can I just say, re- having that quote read to me so solidifies my belief that nerds need to be bullied until they like are too traumatized to express opinions. Because I have no fucking clue what any of that means, and it sounds so stupid. Okay, Jesse, I want to note that you just said that. We are going to come back to that exact statement shortly. Let's just note this: okay. you think that nerds need to be bullied. Remember that. <laughs> yes, Remember just that. I just want to state that very clearly. Nerds should be bullied. No one has ever gotten in trouble for saying this before on the internet. Nerds should be bullied constantly. Exactly. Okay. 
So when you read this tweet, did you immediately pick up on what was problematic about it? No, I I think I first read it in the context of a small group of people freaking out, but it has something to do with like comparing an Asian thing to a not. She violated some rule of like woke segregationism, right? Right. So I didn't understand this at all or what was possibly problematic because I don't know what any of these three cultural references, Raya, oh wait, two cultural references, Raya and the Last Dragon and Avatar, the last, and Airbender. I don't know what those are. Do you want to just read that part one more time? I just want to have okay. it in my head and listeners might want it too. Also watch Raya and the Last Dragon. And I think we need to come up with a name for this genre that is basically Avatar, the last Airbender reduxes. I, I, do we? Do we have to? Okay, so apparently these are both like Asian or Asian inflicted. And so this was the problem. You said Asian inflicted, infused. Yeah. They're inflicted with Asian culture. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, that's what I meant, inflicted. So so she was accused of anti-Asian racism. And so she follows up with this after she starts to get criticism. I can see where if you squint, I was implying all Asian-inspired properties are the same, especially if you were already privy to those conversations where I had not seen them. But the basic framework of TLA, that's The Last Airbender, is becoming popular in fantasy fiction outside of Asian-inspired stuff. Wait, did she say squint? Yeah, she said squint. So she's bringing eye width into this? Yes. That's so so unfortunate uh, choice of words there. As you can imagine, uh, using the word squint did very little to improve her reputation among this like small army of people who were accusing her of anti-Asian racism. And then, of course, that accusation gets then ramped up to, you know, she's responsible for like the deaths of these Asian women in Georgia. No. When this fucking s- dude went on a killing spree. People said that? Yes. Oh my God. That's so, I mean, I remember um, what was remarkable was like 10 seconds after the tweet, people are aghast that she won't just apologize and acknowledge wrongdoing. Like the possibility that someone could just like opportunistically make some bullshit up about someone is just like absent from these spaces. It's just assumed she did something horribly wrong. But uh, so eventually she, she made a very long video about this. Yes. That you actually watched. Right. So she deleted her Twitter um, while all this was going on. And then uh, this week, she put out an hour and 40 minute long YouTube response to this whole saga. And I was delivered in an Asian accent. (laughs) Yes, she had she was wearing a geisha costume. (laughs) Um, And I watched the entire fucking thing. This is these are the things I do for this podcast. Why do you hate yourself so much? You know, I need a hobby, clearly. Okay, so I watched the entire thing, and I got to say, it was pretty good. Not super self-aware, but she does absolutely refuse to apologize for this tweet, uh, which I appreciate because the tweet was fine. Like, she didn't do anything wrong. That's what I was worried. That's the main thing that I assumed would happen was she would be like, uh, I'm sorry about the tweet, but you went over the top when she should refuse to apologize. So she totally outright refused. Okay, so – Hour and 40 minute long. So this is a whole, it's like a nine part series. And so the, the video starts off with sort of the, the contemporary history of cancel culture. She talks about how the term has been co-opted by the right. Um, she talks about Justine Sacco, which you always have to talk about when you talk about the emergence of this on, this phenomenon online. Um, and so the reason I wanted you to, to pause and, and remember that you said that, uh, that nerds should be bullied is because she, she brought up something about the Justine Sacco story 
story that I'd forgotten. So for people who don't remember, Justine Sacco, and I believe in 2015, she was some sort of PR person, PR woman, and she was getting on a plane to go to South Africa, and she tweeted something like, about to get on a plane to go to South Africa, hope I don't get AIDS, just kidding, I'm a white woman. And then a, a, a writer for for Buzz, or for Gawker named Sam Biddle um, blew that up. She only had like 200 followers. He blew that, blew that up. She starts trending on Twitter. Uh, the hashtag has just seen landed yet starts trending. When she by the time because she, she's on she's a plane. on a plane. So by the time she gets yeah. on the plane, uh, off the plane, eleven hours later, she's this global trending topic. Someone is there to, to photograph her. She gets fired from her job. This is all uh, retold in John Ronson's wonderful book. So you've been publicly shamed, Sam Biddle. So he's the guy who started this. He didn't apologize for a long time. He basically said like she deserved it. You know, like this was punching up. She's a PR woman. It didn't matter that she had only two hundred followers and and like no like actual real power in the world. He didn't, you know, he said he would do it again. A couple years later, during Gamergate, so actually maybe I got the timeline wrong. Maybe it wasn't 2015 when she was dogpiled. Yeah, because Gamer, the, the thing you're about to say was I think around 2014, 2015 itself. Okay, so strike that from the record. It wasn't 2015. It was sometime before that. Let's just look it up. Okay, so we've looked it up and this was 2013, not 2015. Let the record show. Okay, so the next year during Gamergate, Sam Biddle tweets. The same guy. No, this is the guy who blew her up. He tweets. Jesse, you want to read it? Yeah, this is a CIA Columbia Journalism Review article from 2014. Biddle tweeted, ultimately, hashtag Gamergate is reaffirming what we've known to be true for decades. Nerds should be constantly shamed and degraded into submission. He immediately followed that with bring back bullying. So just to be clear, I was making a reference to that uh, when I said that because Gawker subsequently lost a lot of advertising because Gamergate types um, started this outrage campaign suggesting that Sam Biddle I believe he's himself very nerdy, was literally saying that nerds should be bullied. Uh, right. Yeah. And so as uh, as Lindsay Ellis explains, and I don't think that this is really require explanation, but it does, Biddle and Justin Sacco were both doing the same thing, which is essentially a voice, right? They're, um, actually, maybe Biddle wasn't. Maybe he actually did think that, that nerds should be bullied. But it's this sort of parody of what a terrible person would say. And that's why it was also, I thought, so ridiculous that her spot was one up in the first place because, like, it's not a great joke, but it's also, you know, it's clearly, it's clearly, it's a bit. Anyway. The point is, no, it, it it requires a staggering lack of charity to think that Justine Sacco was actually, like, in favor of black people dying of AIDS rather than doing South Park humor that you see every week. Similarly, it just seems unlikely that someone like Biddle or anyone really would literally be like, I think uh, nerds should be physically assaulted. In high. It's just unlikely. This reminds me of a conversation I had with some former colleagues where I, I had to actually explain the concept of a joke. And I had to say, you know, sometimes you say things that you don't literally mean in order to elicit, elicit a humorous reaction. Were these like 20-something colleagues? Yeah. Surprise. So wait, you had to literally, you, so you, uh, this is like a thing. So, so when I've written about like young adult fiction, people seem to potentially because of like brain damage or something, seem to not understand that characters in a fictional story don't reflect the opinion of the author always, which I, I never until a few years ago would have thought you'd had to explain this to anybody. But your sense was your colleagues literally didn't understand that when someone tells a joke, they don't truly believe the content of the joke? No, I think they did understand it. It was just whatever whatever was the conflict of the day, they had just sort of forgotten this, that like they needed I, that, a reminder. That- 
intentional forgetting thing is an interesting concept that at some point maybe we should go back to people in order to be outraged about certain things you need to pretend to forget things you know i feel right like. right okay so back to uh lindsay ellis she puts out this hour and 40 minute video starts with sort of the history of cancel culture and justine sacco and blah 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 so jesse i pulled out a couple of clips from uh this hour and 40 minute long episode to listen to that i thought uh made some some of her better points um will you, will you pull the first one up yep this is the clip one i'm playing it now why are you wasting so much energy on this? Because you can't impact people who are actually doing your community harm. You can't shame the shameless. Trump will never face justice. Brett Kavanaugh's on the Supreme Court for life. Ben Shapiro gets off on your outrage. So you shame those who can be shamed. And if you call one of us bigoted enough times, people will start to believe it. And then you can feel like you solved racism by spreading lies about a person you have never met and never will and was doing you and your community no harm. Well done. Shabash. Good job. Fuck every single one of you. You do not deserve grace. You do not deserve sympathy. I mean, I think that's a perfect diagnosis, but I've also seen her participate in exactly that dynamic. You and I have both both been on the other end of that because of people close to her. And in my case, I, I think she's – I'm frustrated because that's exactly right. It's it's totally true. Everything she said is true. Um, and that's a very – I do think that's an important insight that like Ben Shapiro doesn't give a shit that you're mad at him. The only people you can it, – it that some of this is just about like the will to power, to want to exert influence on others. People can't possibly – well, I, I don't want to say what people can and can't think, but people like the idea that they can harm the reputation of Lindsay Ellis, who is a very successful person, and they're not. They're just randos on Twitter. So that's like irresistible. So I, I completely agree with her assessment. I'm just frustrated that she wouldn't um, – I mean, I haven't watched the video. Does, does she exhibit any self-awareness about her role in this at any point? A little bit. We'll get to that in a second. What I find interesting about this is besides her just like palpable anger, like you do not deserve grace, you did not deserve sympathy, which I actually disagree with. I think that that's one of the problems is thinking that- No, me yeah. too. I think everyone, people right. just get swept along. Right. Yeah. But she's super pissed about this. And yes, as we will talk about shortly, there is a bit of lack of like self-analysis when it comes to this video. But- Otherwise, she is saying the same things that we have said over and over and over. It There's a different experience when you're being attacked by your own side, by your ideological allies, by people who you would actually agree with on 90% of the issues, than there is when you know Ben Shapiro comes for you or Mike Cernovich retweets you or you get stuck up in MAGA Twitter. It's a different experience because as, as Lindsay Ellis says over and over again, so she says that what she calls diet Nazis, which are like alt-right types, have been trying to destroy her for years. They've never been able to successfully do it because the people she works with, the people she works for, don't care if the alt-right comes for her or if conservatives come for her or if there are complaints by like people with uh, you know MAGA hats in their bios or whatever. They don't care. Um, it only matters when it's coming from your ideological allies. And this is also true on the right. Um, you know, there's just a difference between being being shunned by your own, by this sort of in-group, being kicked out of the in-group, and, uh, and being attacked from the outside. You and I have been saying this forever. I don't think Lindsay Ellis realizes that people like us, people who she probably would disagree with on many things, have been saying this for fucking ever. She seems to have, like, feel like she's, like, come to this. She's the first person to have discovered this. Yeah, and, you know, I have some sympathy for that because until you go through it, like, I, I think it took 
ContraPoints is the other person who's, she did a very long video on cancel culture that I thought was great. Um, I think she participated in it, but she went through a few rounds of it herself and saw just how insane it could get. And then I don't think she really does it anymore. Um, maybe Lindsay will have a similar trajectory, but you know, I think it's human nature to not see something as a problem uh, until it hits you personally. And exactly. And this is why sometimes this is what it takes for people. You've hear, you've, you hear stories about this. You know, the guy who was like, who was like Jamie Kilstein. He was just sort of woke scold himself. And then he was accused of being creepy online and hitting people on hitting on people, not hitting people, hitting on people, stuff like that. And it he does he does I think he does mixed martial arts. He does too, so he, he does hit people, he but does in hit different contexts. And it and after this experience, it sort of he his behavior and his 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 own sort of uh, philosophy about this stuff changed. And I you know I had a similar experience myself. Um, I'm sure you did as well. When you go through it yourself. It, it opens your eyes. Um, and in some ways that can stick around. And in some ways also it's like still hard to not become part of the problem because it's fun to be part of pylons. Okay, moving on. One of the other things about this video, so there was a lot that I liked about this video, a lot that like if I didn't know anything about Lindsay Ellis, I would think like this is someone I would probably get along with. She does do this thing, however, where she like criticizes identity politics and she acknowledges that a lot of uh, the tension that we're seeing online comes become, comes from this sort of hierarchy where you can only say certain things. You can only be involved in the conversation if you if you uh, if you adhere to some certain identity or you're in some group and then everybody else can be just sort of dismissed. And she's critical of that while also at the same time constantly reminding people that uh, marginalized identities have it harder than anybody else. Um, and she also sort of like she's describing a phenomenon that I think the rest of us would describe as cancel culture, but she sort of refuses to apply that label to it. So uh, I want you to listen to the next clip. Will you pull that one up? A friend of mine named it the Beast, the name for this fear that we all live under but don't acknowledge. And over the last few years, I have had so many of my colleagues, all of them women, people of color, trans people, queer people, or some combination of the above, voice to me the constant anxiety that they live with about maybe saying something wrong that will get them on the bad side of their own communities. Every thought is a hostage situation. Is this the tweet that's going to sink me? So what do we call it? What is the name for this unspoken, unacknowledged culture of fear where we all know that one misstep can ruin our lives? This social media culture where we participate in the public shaming one day and become chained to the pillory the next. We can't even talk about it because the beast does not have a name. If we admit that this is a problem, then the right will just take it and run with it and use it to increase their own power. Same as they did with cancel. Same as they did with woke. Same as they did with fake news. If it has a name, then it has power. So it is a discussion that cannot be had. And so we do not have it. We say cancel culture doesn't exist and ignore this disease. Pretend it isn't doing real harm, not just to individuals who are targeted, but to the state of discourse in general, and especially to individuals in marginalized groups, because they are always held to the highest standard of purity and they always have the most to lose. It isn't even about saying something tone deaf or insensitive. A mere difference in opinion might get you fired from your job if enough people raise a stink about it. I think she's like, again, there's some truth there, but she's misdiagnosing a couple of things. One is the right gets power from the left denying cancel culture is a thing because it's so obviously a thing that the right can be like, Really? Really? You think that professor should be fired about that? Okay, that's not the world we want. And the right wing 
is disingenuous about that because they participate in cancel culture too. But but she's wrong that if you admit, it doesn't strengthen the right to admit cancel culture is a thing. It it weakens the right. Um, I also think she's just mouthing platitudes when when to assume that this is necessarily worse for some groups that are like non-cis and non-white. There it gets complicated because I do think if you're like an isolated trans person and your only real community is um, trans people on Twitter, the stakes are higher and getting ousted from the community is worse. And you experienced a version of that because you were like in with like some radical queers and they really did cut you out of their lives in a way I never had to deal with just because I had more normie friends. Right. Uh, about what you said in the in the beginning there, you know, I think that obviously the right has, is like weaponizing this term and is using it in some cases to sort of make excuses or or or, or uh, sort of distract people from from like genuine accusations of genuine wrongdoing. That's for sure happening. Um, but I think that the reason that the right has keyed on on cancel culture is because they have correctly diagnosed it, that that it's a problem on the left and that leftists care about it in a way that right-wingers might not even actually care about it themselves when it's done in their own communities. I'm not actually sure if that's true. I'm sort of speculating. Um, but they, the reason they've done it, like they're onto something. It is a real problem. The issue is that when Marco Rubio talks about it or Matt Gates talks about it or whoever, or Tucker Carlson constantly talks about it, it makes it difficult for people like us who are coming at this not not uh, because we want to destroy the left, but because we're worried about the left and we want to improve the left. Um, it makes us look bad. Um, so I wish they would shut the fuck up about it. Of course they won't, but <laughs> yeah. I wish they would. Yeah, and I mean a lot of the right wing figures that that rail against this are are hypocrites because they participated in it gleefully when it suits them. But um, yeah, again, it's just like sort of um. This idea that if you accept that cancel culture is real, you're giving fuel to the right. I, I, I completely disagree with that. But again, I mostly agree with what she's saying. She sounds like she knows what she's talking about. Uh, Jesse, so I want to play one more clip for you. But before that, a little bit of background. Um, so after uh, this March 26th tweet went viral and Lindsay Ellis was trending on Twitter for this anti-Asian, apparently anti-Asian tweet. Um, so people did the things that they always do, which is they went back in her Twitter history and her YouTube history and they dredged up everything that she has been accused of. Uh, like all various problematic instances. And so she goes in the video and she addresses all of them one by one. Not actually, no, she says it's not comprehensive. So not all of them. Um, some things she does genuinely apologize for, like at one point, Mara Wilson, um, child, former child star. She was in Matilda and- uh, Close personal friend of the podcast. Close personal friend of the podcast. Also Ben Shapiro's cousin, which is the funniest thing about her. It's <laughs> so awesome. I know. I just can imagine what their, uh, what their Thanksgivings are like. Um, so, so Mara Wilson um, apparently accused her of gatekeeping bisexuality, and she says that she did indeed gatekeep bisexuality. She- <laughs> <laughs> How did she gate when she's like standing at an yeah. actual like wrought iron gate? She refused, Can I come in? She refused to give her a, a rampant flag. Um, no, is Lindsay, wait, is Lindsay Ellis bisexual? She's bisexual, and apparent. So they were friends, and apparently, uh, Mara Wilson came out to her and said she thought she might be bi and, and Lindsay Ellis was dismissive of it. She does she does admit this. She says that they had a falling out later um, that was not related to Did, this. Was this, was this private or in public? It was private. Why, why does everything have to be... I mean, I'll return to this point. But why does everything have to be fucking... Pu- anyway, go ahead. Well, then, so what happened is that Mara Wilson talked about it in an interview and then people figured... She didn't name her, but people somehow figured out that it was Lindsay Ellis. Mara Wilson turned her friend being... Mildly skeptical of her being bisexual. That had to be something that she mentioned in a public interview. It was a trauma. These people are the fucking most narcissistic. Just anyway, go ahead. Do you feel this way when you tell me that you're straight? And I'm like, sure, Jesse. Is it <laughs> I don't 
don't know. Except I could not pass for anything but straight, given my uh, general appearance and diet. <laughs> cargo so I'm, not, I'm not insecure about it. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, so she she does apologize for that. There's some other things she refuses to apologize for. At one point, she apparently had what is referred to as a rap a ra- a rap rape a rape about rap um, that was accidentally published online. Um, so she apologizes for that one. Um, wait, 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 wait. Lindsay Ellis, the the social justice goddess. Yeah. wrote and performed a rap about rape? Uh, yeah. Maybe you guys could do a duo together since you're a rapper too. It Was it – so this was like an edgelord thing that wasn't just like rape is bad, y'all? Right. And I, I have to say I haven't actually watched this. Maybe I will after we stop recording. But um, so what happened is that she and a friend like made this this like joke rap and then it was accidentally uploaded online um, and then like immediately be- <laughs> became – you know, accidentally added to the canon. Yeah, yeah. She says it was accidentally accidental. Anyway, so so there's something she she apologizes for, something she refuses to apologize for. I think that's fair. If you do something that you genuinely think is wrong, you should apologize for it. I do not think people ap- should apologize for shit that isn't wrong. Um, but let's listen to one of her apologies. We play that uh, third clip. Sure. Like one other person I owe an apology to is Movie Bob. I told him on Twitter to leave me alone because he was acting like a creep by being overfamiliar and continually signaling to the world that we're friends. And he, he was acting like a creep and we're not friends. But I would have never done that if I had known that the diet Nazis were going to turn that into a meme. Like, I don't like a lot of what he says on Twitter either, but please stop using my face to torture this man. Leave him alone. So at its core, this was a wake up call. And that is why I deleted my account. Okay, so, I mean, I guess this gets back to my belief that these people are like the level of narcissism and and turning every sort of interpersonal dispute into drama. It's obviously good she apologized. And, of course, it's very out of character for me to be like, well, here's how I would have done your apology differently. But I do think the main lesson here is like if she really thought Bob was acting overly familiar – why not just send him a fucking note? Why make it a public thing that's just such bad and and antisocial behavior? Yeah, but you don't get any points for that, for a private well, that's, note. That's the problem. You don't get any points. So I'm glad she apologized. And I do – Movie Bob is the worst, but I feel bad for him um, just because I would not want to be – it's just – that's so humiliating for someone to be like, we're not really friends. Eh. But um, I I don't know. We'll see if she grows. I mean, I don't, I'm not going to find out if she grows from this because I'm not going to follow her or pay any attention to her. But um, I say that as though anyone gives a shit, given that she has a million YouTube subscribers. Uh, I hope that like going through that, you'd, you'd realize that you should maybe send someone a note before public, publicly dragging them. It seems like a pretty adult basic uh, life lesson. I don't know. Right. And I'm sure people would accuse us of, uh, of instead of doing this podcast, we could send people notes. Um, so maybe there's some hypocrisy there. Um, she also, so she, she apologizes. She sort of recognizes her own complicity in this trend. Um, she says that she has learned her lesson. She's deleted Twitter, but I was just looking at some, some of her older videos and like one of her, one of her r- videos from the last year is her taking down and a multi-part series, J.K. Rowling, who she calls incredibly transphobic, um, of which, of course, right? So is she going to, after having been accused of something that she is not guilty of, is she going to now revisit her own preconceived notions about people like J.K. Rowling, who were also unfairly smeared? I kind of doubt it. Um, maybe I'm being too cynical, but I, I didn't I didn't get that level of introspection from this video. So I do think um, 
I can't forget. I think this is the one time I'm going to correct you. I think it's rolling. You just you just <laughs> microaggress the Look, entire. I'm island. using. I'm just using the American pronunciation. So I, I I will say I think that's slightly unfair because rolling. I do not think that the knocks on her are, are fair. She did say stuff that was like, I, I think could be read as offensive, like the stuff about the bathrooms. I think she's like sort of worried too much about that. I, I think she hasn't always phrased herself carefully. I think at root she's against self ID and she has questions about uh, kids, which which are fair. I just think the comparison between that and like the completely made up idea that Lin- Lindsay Ellis is anti Asian, um, but of course it would be nice if if these guys go through an experience like this and at least are able to like the problem the problem isn't like people making videos laying out their their principal disagreements with JK Rowling it's this insanity where she's like the most transphobic person in the world and is directly responsible for all sorts of harm that's that hysteria i think makes online conversation impossible Right. I mean, I don't think it's fair to call her incredibly transphobic because I don't think she's transphobic at all. I mean, if you actually read what she wrote, she took the time to like actually affirm trans identities and say that trans people exist and blah, 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 blah. She did the ne- what you would think would be the necessary hedging, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, anyway, I well, OK, I'll revise it. I'll say, do I think that uh, Lindsay Ellis will revise her opinion on Jesse Single? Um, the real I, question. I, as far a real question, um, and I'm guessing still the answer in this case is no. Maybe, but let me know. Maybe she'll. What did she say about you? I think it was just some like uh, sideswipe of a comment. Actually, let me let me do that thing and search for it. Well, her account's down, but maybe Google still has it. I can't find it. I know it happened because one of her fans sent me an email bemoaning the fa- uh, fan of mine too, or reader bemoaning the fact that we couldn't get along and and asking me like what was up with this, why she was mean basically and then i forgot to respond because that email dragged me into like youtube twitter uh this the former philosophy tube person well still philosophy tube but transitioned and and these are just like again these are like the worst people i also i'm i'm buddies with someone who who was in the youtube world accurately i think you know who i'm talking about katie and the story she told me of just like the backbiting and backstabbing like youtuber YouTube sort of stardom, uh, it's some very, very narcissistic and broken people. I think podcasters are broken too, but we're maybe broken in the sense that we hate ourselves and we don't lash out at other people. Yeah, maybe uh, we could get her on the show sometime. Lindsay Ellis. Yeah, Lindsay Ellis. Talk about her purple pill moment. I think we will continue to inhabit uh, different parallel worlds, but uh, I wish Lindsay the best. Maybe I'll watch the video eventually. Probably not. The the stuff you sent me, it sounds like it was pretty insightful. She's just missing that uh, little bit more self-awareness. But I, you know what? I can only assume that she intended to apologize to me, and I accept the apology for the one mean tweet that I can't even remember or find. Her alias for you is Movie Bob. <laughs> no one has ever seen me and Movie Bob in the same place at the same time. So I'm just saying. Strange. Very strange. Very strange. All right, Jesse, anything else to cover here? Nope. Um, as always, you can reach us at blocked and reported podcast at gmail.com. We have a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash blocked and reported. As we told our patrons recently, we are starting to begin to commence to consider the process of looking into doing a live event 
in New York City. If you think you would potentially attend such an event, maybe just shoot us an email, blockedreportedpodcast at gmail.com. I think that would be really fun. Katie, I know you have to take beta blockers during live events, so I like the idea of torturing you with that. I mean, it's not torture. I'll just be extremely calm. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Keeps my uh, my heart rate down. Uh, if you, Please consider buying my book, The Quick Fix. If, you, uh, if you're interested in it, that would help. Anything else, Katie? Oh, Patreon. Give them the Patreon spiel. Yes, we have a subscriber-only program. It is at patreon.com slash blocked and reported. If you join us for just $5 a month, you get at least three episodes of Blocked and Reported. There are higher tiers with extra perks, including that Jesse will come to your house and wash your car if you give him enough money, and he'll do it in his undies for even double that. Um, Please join us. It's a good community over there. Yeah, we're going to break 5,000 people soon, which like we're – God, it's not even until May is the first anniversary of our Patreon. So it's just been incredible. And there's a lot of good people on there, a lot of great conversations. So uh, yeah, please consider joining. We also have a merch store. You can get mugs, hoodies, tote bags. It's just like your NPR tote bag, except it goes to a better cause. Uh, barpod.org. The the billions of units we've shipped so far, I, I would just get your order in now because we're probably going to run out of everything imminently. Oh yeah, there's going to be a global shortage on cotton because of the, the run on uh, Barpod hoodies. We are deforesting vast swaths of the Amazon to grow cotton to create tote bags. <laughs> this has been Blocked and Reported. I'm Jesse Single, and remember, bully a local nerd today. And I'm Katie Herzog. And also remember, if you experience allergies, Dr. Katie Herzog, PhD, says to get hookworm. <laughs> <laughs>